Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 25-year breast cancer survivor, certified life coach, and the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also the author of Thriving Beyond Cancer. So Becky Olson, the other co-founder, is usually on this side with me of the conversation interviewing guests, but today she's actually my guest. And so if you've listened to very many of these things, you probably know some of these things, but we're going to get into it a little bit deeper this this uh, day. And I just wanted to, before I introduce her, to just chat about how life can change in a moment. And I had one of those moments a few weeks ago, and I wanted to share that with you. So I'm walking into a store with my daughter who's visiting from New York, and kaboom, I fell on my butt, excuse me, my backside, and I couldn't get off the floor. And it scared me. It really scared me right down to the core. And it took me a few minutes to kind of get my bearings and get myself up and kind of shake off the humiliation of falling on my rear. Um, But I was hurt. I was genuinely hurt. And uh, I'm a pretty tough cookie. I have never broken a bone. Luckily, I did not break any bones this time. But it did did give me a, a fright, I have to admit. It's been three weeks tomorrow that I did this. And I'm still hurting. Not nearly like I was. But it's amazing how life can change on a dime, just that quickly. And thank goodness, um, I feel like I'll have a complete recovery from this. But just like cancer, just like other life events that happen, things can change overnight or even quicker. So with that, I want to introduce our guest today, who's a five-time breast cancer survivor. Um, she has learned a lot through these last 23 years of her journey. Um, And uh, she's been my friend for over 25 years. And I've gone through each and every one of her battles alongside of her. And I feel very honored to welcome Breast Friends co-founder, my show co-host, and today my guest, Becky Olson. Hi, Sharon. Hi. (laughs) Boy, I can't believe that fall was three weeks ago. Holy moly. I know. And I'm still like sitting with a pillow behind me. I'm still taking some, you know, uh, Advil kind of medicine just to keep it under control, hitting the chiropractor every couple of days. I mean, yeah. It's it's been an interesting journey, but but again, I guess it just is that great reminder, hopefully without permanent uh, consequences, how how quickly things can change. Yeah, they really can. 
Um, you know, and it's kind of like that with a cancer diagnosis. You know, you think you're doing fine, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, boom, you, get you get this news. Yeah. Not so good news. Yeah. yeah. So, so before we go into all that, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, as far as um, you know your your little personal life. You know, I know you have what five kids, right? Yeah. Yep, I do, and four grandkids, and I, they all, most of them live on the East Coast, all the grandkids are on the East Coast, and my kids are scattered all over the country, but, you know, it does give us places to go visit, but it's, uh, it, I, you know, I kind of miss having them around on a regular basis, but, you know, it's, it does give us a place to go, so that part's, that part's cool, but. And you're still close, luckily yeah. with, nowadays, you can get on Skype, or you can, you know, get on the phone, and, and at least you can stay connected, unlike many oh, times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, it's helpful, you know, Sharon and I, I mean, well, I'll, I guess I'm talking to you, not about you today, right, uh, <laughs> you and I grew up in the generation that had to make the switch to digital, mm-hmm. and, you know, our parents didn't have to make that switch some of them did but you know we're in our 60s and we kind of grew up with paper and and telephones and you know an address you just put it on an envelope and you know yellow pages (laughs) yeah (laughs) and now everything's digital but you know you and I were kind of forced into that that change you know but everybody coming in after us they have no idea what we're talking about sometimes you know know. (laughs) yeah I remember my five-year-old grandson, I asked him, we're going to go to the zoo one day. And I said, I wonder what time they open. And he says, Google it, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, one of, one of my friend's grandsons, uh, they were they were in this kind of older motel. And there was actually a phone attached to a receiver with a cord. And this little boy, he was probably seven or eight at the time. He goes, Grandma, what's this? <laughs> A corded telephone he had never seen, you know. Oh, my gosh. I know. That's hilarious. Yeah, it is. is. So, anyway, well, let's tell everybody what's going on with you these days. Okay. Well, kind of let me go back to my very first experience with the possibility of getting breast cancer was down in Medford. That's where we raised our family. And I was 37, and I found a lump in my breast. And I went to the doctor. He did a, a mammogram. And at that point, he said, we don't see anything. It looks like fibrous tissue. Don't worry about it. And so I heard in my mind, don't ever worry about it. So I decided to just put it out of my brain and not worry about it ever again. And um, as I think back now, I kind of wonder if maybe it wasn't dense breast tissue. Because as we know on a, on a mammogram, breast tissue is white cancer is white. And if you have dense breasts, and I'm sure at 37, they were far more dense than they are now. Uh, I mean, I know I'm dense, but you know, <laughs> the breasts might have been too. But um, I'm not sure that that maybe he just didn't see it. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, we did finally move up to Portland. And I was going in for a, an annual mammogram every year. And the doctors would do kind of a cursory look there and just kind of do it. And nobody ever asked me about this lump that continued to develop in my breast. And I quit worrying about it because it was fibrous tissue, so didn't think about it. But one day I went in, and God love her, this beautiful nurse practitioner, her name is Madeline Anderson, she's here in the Portland area, she um, was doing a physical on me, and she got this look on her face like, uh, what? what's, hmm, I wonder what that is. But she didn't ask me, she just said, when was your last mammogram? And I said, seven years ago. 
And she said, well, I think it's time for you to get another one. And she wouldn't let me leave until I, until I had that mammogram. So I guess I was 36 when I found that first lump because I was 43 at this point. So, um, so she made the appointment for a mammogram, and I went in. Um, I was working full-time at Yellow Pages at the time, and I was in outside sales. Um, I was all dressed up. So on the day of my appointment, I got all dressed up for my uh, you know, appointments that day. And then... Um, I went in for this mammogram that I just expected to be routine, get in and out in, in a hurry, and and that's not quite what happened. Um, they kept calling me back for more and more views, and you know, like you said, Sharon, our lives can change in an instant, and and oftentimes they do. That was the last thing I expected was to hear the radiologist say, you know, I can't be a hundred percent sure. But it looks to me like you have breast cancer. And, you know, he showed it to me on the, we did a um, an ultrasound after the mammogram, after several views. And I was there for most of the morning. And uh, I, I remember seeing that thing, and that looked pretty ugly. And I'll, I'll never forget that. I, I remember going out to my car. I was so upset. I tried to call my husband on the phone, on my cell phone, and I was dialing. I had to keep redialing because I couldn't. Um, I couldn't get the numbers out, you know. And I was. In, I was so sad. And he knew I, he loved that I love my job. And when he heard my tone of my voice and he could hear me crying, he says, "What happened? Did you lose your job?" It's the only thing he could imagine that would be bad enough to make me cry. And I said, "No, it's worse than that." And he had no clue. And I said, it looks like I have breast cancer. And as it turned out, after the biopsies and all that junk, I'm not going to go through the laundry list, but um, it turned out it was stage three uh, breast cancer, and it was in my right side. So I went through all the process, chemo, radiation, lumpectomy. And a lot of people have heard my story about my lumpectomy. But, um, you know, when you go from a, <laughs> from a well-endowed woman with uh, large breasts, and then all of a sudden one is really tight and perky, <laughs> Yeah. I always talk about how, you know, your your breasts are, are headlights, but that one are fog lights, you know, when they kind of grow and get old. <laughs> but <laughs> I, at that point, I had one of each, you know. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a really difficult time because I still had kids at home, you know, and I know you know what that's like because you did as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it's a hard it's a hard place to be. So, well, you know, tell, just telling your family, just telling, yeah. you know, actually making it real by actually talking about it. I mean, that is so hard. And what do you say to them and how do you approach it? Do you take the, oh, it's nothing, it'll be fine kind of attitude or, you know, really show them how you feel? It, it's scary. Yeah, and it's hard to know when to make that because I know yeah. in the beginning, in the beginning, I didn't really tell them anything. I I didn't want I didn't want to tell them until I knew more, you know, because right. I knew that they would start asking, well, what what's happening next? And I, I just didn't know. Right. I didn't know what the treatment would be and all of that. But I did kind of quickly go into children's survival mode. <laughs> I uh, I started teaching them that how to make macaroni and cheese from a box. Um, <laughs> I taught them how to do their own laundry. And I mean, we're talking little kids here. You know, my oldest at home at that time was was Beth. She was 15. Um, but the other ones were, were 12 and 11. And all of a sudden, mommy's showing them how to do their own laundry. And mommy's teaching them how to make macaroni and cheese. And I told them it was okay to have peanut butter and jelly for dinner because it's better than nothing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I went into that mode and they were it's wondering, what, yeah, yeah, what's going on what with happened? you? <laughs> yeah, where'd my mommy go? <laughs> Not going to uh-huh. do my laundry anymore? But... Um, 
But yeah, so it, it's scary and we all kind of process it differently. But but there is that, that day that comes that, that you need to tell them what's going on. And, you know, one of the things that um, was that we kind of carried into Breast Friends, too, and, and talking with counselors, uh, t- telling the kids is hard. And the last thing that we encourage people to do is when you tell your kids what you're going through, and, and I, I never said to them, I'm going to be fine, because I don't know. You don't know if you're going to be fine. You hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to know what to tell the kids. So you have to kind of think of age appropriateness. But, um, you know, one of the things I did just talk to the kids about is I'm going to I'm sick and I'm going to go through some treatment that's going to probably make me feel sicker for a while. And um, but, you know, we're, we're in really good hands and we're doing everything we can to make right. to make this OK. And, you know, without promising anything. And and even now today, you know, we have those brochures at Breast Friends about helping kids cope, you know, and how to talk to your kids. And that's kind of the same messaging that's in there, too. So it's it's hard to know what to do and what to say. But, you know, you kind of fumble your way, <laughs> way yeah, through it. You know, you, you know. kind of figure it out. And I don't know there is a, a, an exact right way or wrong way to do it. You just do the best you can. And, and every family's different and your dynamics are different. But, again, um, if, if you don't tell the children – uh, they'll they'll know and they'll think it's their fault. So oh, yeah. it's it's yeah. really important to at least um, have that open line of com- uh, conversation so yeah. they can ask questions and yeah. you know again like you said age appropriate is important. So yeah, well, that we kind of learned is just kids want to know: Am I going to be okay? Is yeah. mom going to be okay? And did I cause this? Those are kind of the three big things. And exactly. so just know how to answer those and get help if you don't. So um, so you mentioned you had. Every kind of treatment, and I think that's probably pretty darn close. And as yeah. as the time goes on, uh, that list gets even longer, which that's a good thing because there's been so many improvements since we were diagnosed twenty some years ago. Right, and so that's that's a good thing. But why don't you just tell me a little bit, um, just a short brief uh, version of that, because we really want to get into your humor, happiness, and hope. And I know that's kind of your signature. Absolutely. Well, the reason I've learned that I've done so many of these different treatments and I know so much about them is because I've actually been through this battle five times now. So that first time was in 1996 and did the lumpectomy with chemo and radiation. And then eight years later, I came back on the, or I got it again on the other side. It wasn't a recurrence. It just started over again on the other side. And then I had a double mastectomy followed by um, more chemotherapy and then implants a year later. And so now I've got all those things under my belt. And then uh, a few years later in 2009, I was diagnosed a third time. And this time it was just radiation um, because it was in a, a spot near my chest wall. And we kind of thought it was metastatic, but that seemed to be the only spot, so we didn't worry too much about it. And then a few years later, in 2017, that same spot came back again. And so now they're really thinking it's metastatic, and then once again thinking it's not. But um, they put me on Ibrantz. So I've had radiation and that drug that you see on TV, Ibrantz. Um, And then we thought it was gone and everything was fine. And then in October... I went in for uh, just my typical three-month follow-up, and this particular time, we found five new spots on my right side. So now I'm in um, immunotherapy, and I have a new doctor because my doctor, who I loved dearly, retired, and my new doctor um, is with the Providence Cancer Center, and he 
is an immune therapy specialist, and he really wanted me to get in this trial that I'm in. So I'm in that trial now, um, and it's with immune therapy and then some new, some other drugs that go with it. But um, just recently, yeah, in fact, just this week, we found out that my cancer is not responding as we had hoped to the immune therapy. We thought it was because the first scan looked pretty good. Um, but this last one, it, it shows that it's growing. Um, the, the five tumors I had, four of them are bigger. Two of them are twice as big. And I've got some new spots in my lungs. So um, going in today for a new procedure I've never had before. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that one when I get home from it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty, pretty intense. I'm a little bit nervous. But um, you know, I, I'm in good hands, and I have a lot of faith, and I've got a million people on the planet praying for me, so, and I yep. that's not lost on me, believe me. No, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, and, and again, and and you had a deep flap during oh, yeah. this oh, yeah, whole thing. That. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, did. and so you really have been kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of different things, which yeah. to me is pretty darn exciting. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, not that we like being guinea pigs, but like, for instance, being on a trial, that's a that's a big deal. And again, hopefully it will be successful for you. But the information that they get from the trial will then help other people in the future. Yeah. So, well, you know, I want to so say something things. to that. They just announced like, I think, well, of course, your injury was three weeks ago, so it could have been longer ago. But it seems like just a few days ago, <laughs> they announced that the trial drug that I'm on has been um, released by the FDA for women who are metastatic with triple negative breast cancer. That's fabulous. And, and it is. And there were the women were in a trial for that, and there were apparently 1,500 women. Those 1,500 women gave them the information that they needed to know that this drug will work for triple negative breast cancer, or at least enough to warrant putting it out into the marketplace. So I'm on the same drug um, same trial, same drug, but for estrogen positive cancer. Right. It hasn't been released yet. They're still kind of weighing the pros and cons of it. So so that's kind of where, where I fit into this. And, and if I'm lucky and it works, um, then I'm, I get to benefit from it early. And that's that's not a that's, bad thing. Oh, not at all. Not yeah. at all. And, and I just want to make sure people understand when they look at a trial or the opportunity to be on a trial, you always get at least the standard of care. Yes. You, d- you do not get a placebo and they let no. your cancer go crazy. That no. doesn't happen ever, no. ever, ever. And so uh, I think that's kind of one of those uh, misnomers that people aren't real familiar with. And so you're always going to get at least standard of care. And then usually then you you may be on one of the arms that gets the the trial drug or right. not you know that yes. kind of thing and yeah. it's not a double blind so you'll know if you're getting the trial drug and like you just said it's not a choice between a trial drug or a placebo and you think you're getting the trial drug it's you right. either get it or you don't get it and you you will know um, and so i i am on a standard of care it's called Fazlodex, and that's for estrogen positive it's a blocker and um, and so i'm i'm on that right now but but now because my cancer is not responding as we we hoped it would. My doctor doesn't want to wait around and see if it finally changes its mind. <laughs> we're yeah, going exactly. to. I love this term, Sharon. He said, he says, we're going to double down on this. Perfect. And so they're, they're moving Perfect. me to phase two, which keeps me on the immune therapy just in case it does switch gears and decide to start working properly. Uh, I'll, they're going to switch me out to a different estrogen blocker. And then they're going to put me on a, another drug 
um, that actually was on the marketplace for a while. It's called Avastin. And they're, now it's in trial phase again. They took it off the market for some financial reasons or something. I'm not sure what. But they are, this is part of the phase two is to see if this drug um, in conjunction with immune therapy might have a better response. So right, right, right. So I get the benefit of all that and the trial company pays for it, which I love. <laughs> which is fabulous. Yes. <laughs> yep, so, yep. well, before we get going too far, I, I want to go out to break. So um, let's, uh, let's do that now. And we'll talk about the humor, happiness, and hope on the other side of the break. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. So we're talking uh, to our guest, Becky Olson, who's normally one of our co-hosts here on the radio show. Um, But I wanted to jump right into humor, happiness, and hope. So, Becky, you've been a keynote speaker for, gosh, how long? 20 years at least? Uh, 2003, I think, was my first paid event. (laughs) Your first, so you're a professional uh, uh-huh. from that point on. Okay, I got it. So, understanding, you created this speech called Humor, Happiness, and Hope. Why don't you kind of give us a little bit of uh, a little bit about it, so we know what you're talking about. Well, you know, when I think about my journey and going back and some of the things that really got me through it, um, there there really were three things that 
that I was able to focus on. And and no, it's not always easy. But those three things are humor, happiness, and hope. And, you know, I wanted to, it kind of, and the humor part really came to me because of my friend, Patty. And I have to put this all on her because, you know, a lot of people ask me with my book, you know, the hat that saved my life, is there really a hat? (laughs) Yes, there really is a hat. And that was kind of the opening moment that that turned everything around for me and made me for the first time be able to kind of laugh at my circumstances. And, you know, humor in all of its forms is good. You know, going to a movie and laughing at a comedy is great. But I think for me, and we're all different, but for me, when I can laugh at my circumstances and people can laugh with me over my circumstances, it helps me embrace it better. Mm, yeah. And so my friend, my friend Patty, what had happened, Sharon, is I was, when I went, went through the bald head thing, you know, that, that was really frightening for me. And there were a lot of people that, that did some great things. My daughter tried to dry, dye my hair blonde and it turned orange and, you know, just... <laughs> She says, Mom, yep. you've always wanted to be a blonde. Let's make you one, you know. And it, it didn't quite go the way we wanted, but I was able to laugh about it. And she was able to laugh with me. <clears throat> and then, um, but then when my hair did fall out, I wrapped it in a scarf. And one day I went out to have lunch with some friends. And as I was walking through the restaurant, these two ladies, you know, older ladies, probably about how old we are now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of them nudged her friend and said, oh, that poor thing, I'll bet she's got cancer. And when I heard that, my heart just sank. I don't want to be that poor thing, not ever. And so I got to my table with my friends and I said, okay, you guys, I'm just letting you know, if you want to come see me, you're going to have to come see me because I'm not going out in public anymore till my hair grows back. And because I didn't want to be that pathetic thing walking around with a scarf, you know, over a a cancer head. I just didn't want to be that. So I, I did that. I went home, I stayed home and I was home for about a month. When my friend called me on the phone and said, hey, I've got a gift for you. Um, are you going to be home? Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> not going anywhere. So she showed up and she brought over this gift from her and her husband. And in that gift, in that bag was a this crazy little thing that made my heart just just light up. I mean, I could feel my face get flushed as I'm looking at this thing inside the bag. And, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. So I pulled it out. And it's this dumb little baseball cap that's white with little stick figures of bald-headed people that they kind of look like, um, you know, space monsters or something. But they're all bald. <laughs> yeah. And on the front of the hat, it says, no hair day. And, you know, I'd seen bad hair days and all that. But this said, no hair day. And I saw that. And, and she was so nervous about giving it to me because she was afraid I would take it wrong. You know, that I'd be offended because she's making fun of my condition, right? And no, for me, it was exactly the opposite of that. I embraced that. I ran in the bathroom. I pulled off my my scarf that I greeted her with. And I put this hat on. And, and Sharon, for the first time in my whole experience, I really was able to smile back at that reflection in the mirror. And, you know, because the bald head is what reminds you constantly that you're sick and you're battling oh, something yeah. like that. Every, every, every time every you time. see yourself, you're in the mirror. You're like, ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So that I was able to look at the mirror and smile back at the reflection when I saw the hat. And it just, it just 
wowed me with with joy. And, you know, I think that that's so important when we can find a way to laugh at the stuff that's going on in our lives. I mean, my husband was great at helping me laugh about things. You know, I, I mentioned my first go around, I had the lumpectomy and I've got these two very different sized breasts at that time. And I didn't even know you could buy a, a prosthetic and a, a special kind of bra. So I was stuffing my bra with socks. You know, I'd roll up pairs of socks and shove them under my breast to kind of try to push them up and make them even. But it was not comfortable. It was it was actually kind of painful in some ways. And and then somebody mentioned to me that, well, why don't you get a prosthetic? I had no idea what that was. So I went and looked and they're kind of spendy. But um, I, I checked into that and and then I started thinking about, you know, so I, I did buy the prosthetic, but then I started thinking about other options for, um, you know, reconstruction and reducing the other side so that they're both the same little perky size instead of that big one and then the little one. And I was told my husband about that. And I said, honey, so I'm thinking about having breast reduction surgery so that they're the same size. And he said, why would you do that? And I said, well, because I, you know, they look so hideous right now. And he says, well, I kind of like it. And I said, what do you mean? He says, it's kind of like being with two women. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It made me chuckle. And with all the scars, he said, you know, I've always wondered what it'd be like to be with a biker chick. And I look like a biker chick. I'm bald headed. I got scars everywhere. And, you know, but he made me see the beauty in what I was going through. And he made me feel very special during that time. And it's, you know, it, it's so easy to just kind of turn away and, and, and not want to address those things. But in an intimate relationship, I think particularly, um, you've got to be able to find the humor in things so you can laugh about it. Absolutely. And you, you've you been able to do that throughout all your journeys, which is really um, commendable because, of course, there's lots of ups and downs when you're getting getting uh, checked every few months and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it can be, it can wear on you. So finding that humor is important. So absolutely. And then, and then I, the, the hat that you received as a gift actually led to the hat project at Breast Friends. Why don't you tell about that real quick? Oh, it did. That was the day that I got my hat. I went to the grocery store the next day and there was a whole story around that. That was absolutely hilarious. But um, when I got up to the cash register, there was, this little exchange that happened in line with this guy in front of me and I won't go into that but but the gal behind the counter looked at me when I was my turn to pay for my groceries and she said you know you've got such a great attitude and I said it's the hat and she said you know my mom's going through breast cancer right now she's losing her hair she's really depressed about it can you tell me where you got it and I said, well, a friend gave it to me, and I pulled it off my head in the middle of the store, and now I'm standing here completely exposed <laughs> with my head, and we're looking at the label, and so she's writing down the label, so maybe she could try to find it, but I left there thinking, and this was four years before we started Breast Friends, right. I left there thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I had a truck, a trunk full of these in my car so that if somebody needs one, I can just go give them one and change mm-hmm. their life? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Well, Four years later, when we started Breast Friends, this turned out to be kind of one of our first projects. Um, the same lady that gave me the hat gave us a $500 gift to start a, a production. And we met a lady that did the artwork, and um, we have our own hats, but but they're really funny and cute. And, and now we have this project where we send out 
hats all across the country. Thousands. Yeah, thousands, thousands of and them. And they're free of charge. You know, we mm-hmm. people, if they can certainly make a donation, that's helpful because we still have to pay for the hats. But, right. <laughs> um, but we do give them out for free. And then ladies send us their picture with their hat. And they're so happy. And they got big smiles on their face. And, you know, and it's nice to have been able to, you know, contribute in some way to that. And I... Yeah. And I thank Patty for her kindness and, and her husband, Dennis, for kind of seeing all that and the need for it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Simple. Well, and, and humor, again, is such an important part of, I think, the healing process. In fact, there's research that really talks about um, uh, laughing and uh, humor and how important that is to the healing process. We're not going to go into that really today, but um, but that that's a whole show by itself, I think, yeah. for <laughs> talking about that. But the second thing is happiness um, of your of your three topics that you use for your keynote speech. So let's let's go into the happiness piece. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's finding things in your life that bring you joy. And it can be as simple as just, you know, laughing and going to movies or, you know, having intimate conversations with people. But it's it's also things like, you know, being a speaker. I love I've always loved being on stage. I, can you imagine that? Uh, yeah, no, not at all, honey. <laughs> Put a microphone in my hand and wind me up, you know. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, finding joy in, in, in things like that. If you like to paint, don't stop painting because you've got cancer. Find ways to incorporate those things that you love to do every day into your life. And, you know, that's part of why I started working on my book because, you um, and that was back in, I finally released it in 2004, but um, I started working on it because when I went to speak, I wanted to have a booklet to share with people. And and I found writing brought me joy and it just made me feel like I was doing something productive with my time because the alternative is to lay on the couch and, you know, wind up the television and, and then just, you know, well, marathon I mean, and it. And mopey, you know, yeah. I mean, and again, what is that going to accomplish? Um, yeah. we, we all need our pity party. Don't get me wrong. There, there is a time and place for a pity party, and um, but I am a definite proponent of keeping it short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't stay too long. Right, right. <laughs> don't stay too long there because then it can become a habit, number yep. one. Yep. And true. it can actually pull you down and keep you in a bad place, and that's yep. not going to be good for your healing. So, yep. so. So happiness, yeah. obviously, the radio show brings you joy. It um, does. And my family, you know, we, Bill and I have booked little trips to go see our family from, you know, time to time. Like I said, they're all over the country. So we have to wait for airfare specials. But, you know, we do that. And um, and then also I love music. I love to sing. And one of the things I've always wanted to do was sing lead with the band. And one of the things my husband did for me um, when I graduated from college, which was, you know, shortly after my diagnosis, um, and really just before my second one, he knew I wanted to always wanted to sing lead with a band. So he put a band together for my graduation party and they let me sing with them. And, you know, because the thing with being in a band, you have to actually be really good <laughs> to be invited to do that. So <laughs> so he just made created a band and let me go sing with them, which was really cool. But um, but now I'm still singing and I don't do it as often. But um, there's a, a band here, a swing orchestra here in Portland that I've had the pleasure of being their substitute for vocalist. I don't do it with them all the time, but when their main vocalist can't sing, she calls me and asks me if I can come and take her spot for a, a, a gig or something. And 
And that's that old music that I love so much. And it's really fun. And I find joy in that. And in fact, I'm singing with them in May. So I'm really, you know, really excited about that because I'll start practicing with them again soon. But but doing this radio show is really, really brings joy to my heart, just knowing that we're helping so many people and they're listening all across the globe, which is very exciting to me. And I, I love that. So, well, and, and we're obviously making a difference. I, when, yeah. when, you, when we've got 15,000, 18,000 people downloading the podcast every month, that's a, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. very happy about it as well. So, okay. And so the, the last piece under happiness, and I love this one, you know me, um, the whole using your gifts and figuring out your passion and which really creates purpose. So tell us yeah. a little bit more about that. Yeah, that you know that was a little equation because I'm not a math girl, so I don't usually use numbers and letters in the same sentence. But uh, <laughs> but this one, this was an equation that made sense to me, and that is, you know, we all talk about our gifts, and it's hard to know what's the difference between your gifts and your passion. People kind of interchange them all the time, but they they really are two different things. Your gift is something that that you can do better than most people. Um, It comes easily to you. And, you know, with practice, you can even make it better, but it comes naturally to you. And that that's a gift. That's something that, that it just kind of do it with your eyes closed, you know, and, and that's your gift. Your passion is something that you care about, you know, and like for us with breast cancer, you know, both of us getting breast cancer gave us a passion for this cause, right? Yep. And and then having the gifts to be able to stand on a stage and and speak without fainting, you know, that's right. that's a good that's a good you know bar to rate to set is to be able to stand on a stage and not faint, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you can do that, and I and I have I kind of have a gift to be able to do that, um, being able to put those two together equals a purpose. So what is your purpose? And when you're trying to think, well, what is my purpose? Why did God put me on this earth? And Sharon is very clear to me why he put you on this earth. You have a gift of compassion and listening and caring. And and then you've got the same passion for cancer survivors, you know, that I do. Right. And but your gifts are used in a little different way than my gifts. Mine are yep. kind of kind of on a bigger stage and yours are far more intimate one on one. This world needs both. Oh, absolutely. And, and mm-hmm. so those, you know, so our purpose is is kind of in the same vein, but it's, but we have different gifts, so it comes out differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I think if when we start thinking about those things in our, if everyone would take a look at that in their own life, you know, what is it that you can do and what do you care about? And then how can you use that together? So it's and, important. And, and using your imagination, because sometimes, ah. sometimes um, when having this kind of conversation with people, um, I, I try to draw out what they what they're interested in, and they're so quick to oh, but I can't do that, or I'm too old to do that, or I'm too fat to do that, or I'm too whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we we do that to ourselves, yeah. and unfortunately, um, that really. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe you don't see yourself uh, going back to school and getting your degree, right? But maybe but maybe just take a class, mm-hmm. get your feet wet, right? right? And and see if it's something you're really enjoying and 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 want to do more of. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon 
you're going to be five years older anyway, so right. you might as well, <laughs> well be well five it. years older with a degree, for instance. Exactly. I mean, it, it sounds kind of simplistic, but it really isn't that much more difficult than that. So It's not, and the whole idea of this, this equation is very simple. I was talking to a gal one time who is a very, very good photographer. She has a gift of photography. She can capture moments that just would, you know, make your, your heart just pound. And her passion was around homelessness. She really had, excuse me, had a a passion for the homeless population and and what does it mean? So why not take her gift of photography and her passion for homelessness and become a photojournalist and and share the story of homelessness through photography? Yeah, that's that's fabulous. And of course, an example. That is an example of taking those two things that you love and putting them together. Yeah, I love that. Well, before we get going on another topic, why don't we take a quick break? I know, Um, stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. All right. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. We've been talking about humor, happiness, and hope with the Breast Friends co-founder and my guest, Becky Olson. So um, I just wanted to launch right into hope uh, at the uh, end of that break because I want to make sure that people understand, even though this is a crummy diagnosis that you're going through, there's hope. 
right? Yep. There's always and hope. There's always hope. And and again, there may be a point where this stupid disease may get some of us. That that is just the reality of the disease. But in the meantime, we're gonna we're gonna do one heck of a ride. So um, let's talk about that hope and talk about visualization, your your chemo army. I love that <laughs> analogy. Yeah, you know, one of the things that scared me the most about treatment the first time around was going to chemo. And I the idea of just putting this toxic poison in my body scared me. And I, I wasn't looking forward to it. But the way I I became okay with it is I when I went into the chemo room and they hooked me up for the first time and I was sitting there with that big old thing strapped to my arm and I just started, I closed my eyes and I visualized that the chemo army was just like, you know, those little itty bitty green army men that you buy and you play in the sand with them. And I mean, they're just like really short. Uh Um, I've pictured nano sized versions of those (laughs) that could be pumped into my bloodstream and they're cursing through my blood with their little rifles and they're on a search and destroy (laughs) mission and they're looking for for cancer cells, you know, they're just shooting them and choo, 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 you know, and I laid there and I probably got a smile on my face and people were going, oh, she's she's crazy. (laughs) But I was envisioning the cancer, the chemo working against the cancer. Because if I went in there thinking, oh, my God, they're putting toxic in my body, blah, you know, that's going to, I think, in my own heart, that's going to have a negative impact. But embracing that that chemo as being those soldiers, that gave me hope that that it's going to work. It's going to nail this puppy, you know. So, um, yeah, that it was really important. Visualization is important. If you can see something working in your life. You know, you can, you, it's kind of like Jennifer Hudson said, if you can, if you can envision the note, you can hit the note. I keep trying to remember that when I can't hit a note, but oh. you know what I'm singing. <laughs> when you're singing, but, okay. Yeah, but visualization <laughs> is really, really key. And it does give you hope if you see it working. People say, well, what if it doesn't work? Yeah, but what if it does? You yeah. know, it's much yeah. better to think it does. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. And, so how and, about your positive actions? What is that? What positive actions equals positive thoughts? Yeah. What's that about? Well, I always love it when people say, you just need a positive attitude. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> when you're feeling like like the world's crashing in around you and you can't even get off your couch and you're just laying there and you, you need to go take a shower and you can't even do that um, because everything in your head is just screaming negativity. How do you suddenly become positive? Well, to me, it's just taking one positive action. And for me, sometimes that means just go take a shower, <laughs> you know, please. Put your clothes on. Get, let, <laughs> go take a walk. Yeah, right, take your right. shoes out, put them on your feet, you know. Um, that's a positive action. It's mm-hmm. one. It's simple. It's a little thing. But just do that one little thing. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you're doing another little positive thing. And then mm-hmm. maybe another little positive thing. And pre- pretty soon, you've your attitude starts to change. And you right. can develop that positive attitude. And I think that's... That gives you hope, too, because of the alternative. Think about the alternatives always. Yeah. You could sit around and just wait to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not. Well, and again, there, that e- even with people without cancer, I have known people. I think I've told people about my mom, you know, my adopted mom. She was literally the type of person who wasted a lot of her life just kind of waiting around to die and it was sad and I think that actually spurred me on to make sure I'm productive because that's the last thing I want to do and uh, I want to bring up too when you're talking about positive actions equal positive thoughts
thoughts going back to that happiness, finding those things that bring you joy and just making sure you add a little bit of this and a little bit of that to, again, give you that joy that you need, which then, again, will give you that happiness or that positive thoughts, right? Absolutely. It all works together. So Absolutely does. And it doesn't have to be anything big. Just little, little stuff adds up. Exactly. Exactly. And it adds up quickly, too. So, again, there's, like, success stories for others. What what were you wanting to say about that? You know, I think we all know people that have died from this disease. But yeah. we also all know people that survive this disease. Right. And when you when you're thinking, you know, I, I always love it when you tell somebody that you've just been diagnosed with cancer, and they go, "Oh, my mom had that; she died." Yeah. You don't know? you love that? Yeah. That's really if, helpful. If, Thank I you. Know, and they're they're <laughs> trying to relate, so I get I what know. they're saying, and we're trying not to shame anybody because they said the wrong thing, and we all say the wrong thing from yes. time to time. Yes. But if you can. Try to think of somebody, oh, I knew someone who had breast cancer and it was really serious, but she's still here and it's been 23 years. You know, that's my story. I was diagnosed stage three 23 years ago and I was diagnosed a whole bunch of times since then. I'm still here. And yeah, I'm going through the battle of my life right now. This is probably the worst one. And honestly, this might be the one that, that ends it all. But maybe not. <laughs> you know? But not today, right? Yeah, that's, and that's certainly normal, not today. Yeah. Not today, not tomorrow, not yeah. next week or yeah. next month, hopefully, and yeah. maybe yeah. many years down the road. So, so again, um, you'll know. You'll know when exactly it's right. time to exactly pack up right. your tent, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's... You know, phase one maybe didn't do the job it was supposed to do, but what if phase two does? Woo-hoo, yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's that's the hope that that we have as long as the doctors are willing to try and do right. something. Yeah. And you have a say in that too, by the way. Of course, <laughs> um, of but as long as they're willing to try and they don't give up, don't you dare give up, you know? Because there that it could be that very next thing that um, that changes. There, there's always new research coming out. Um, this trial, I mean, it, it, this is one I'm on now, but there's a whole bunch of them in the pipeline. You know, yeah, if this doesn't work, we try something else. So um, it, there's always research. There's so many changes and things, you know, happening that. And thank goodness treatments yeah. are getting better. I love the whole immunotherapy because it actually is using your own body's immune yeah. system yeah. to kill the cancer. So yeah. it's it's where the the cancer treatment is heading and a much more targeted therapy, which yep. is fabulous for all of us. You don't lose your um, hair, <laughs> which is well, really that's really cool. nice too. Um, yeah, you know, so there's some definite things about uh, the research that's gone on in the last 20 some years that you and I have been uh, cancer survivors. Yeah, things have changed drastically. And uh, I think that's really important. So, all right. So can you give us one last parting thought uh, to our audience? Um, I know you have a lot to say about a lot of different subjects, but I think this one's good. Yeah, you know, Sharon, you started out the the show today by talking about how our lives can change in an instant and how yours changed when you just suddenly slipped and fell on the floor, you know, in in this building. And, you know, I changed, I mean, you're in pain and all these things, but life can also change for the good in an instant. And one of the things that I, when I speak at events, I my 
my parting slide that I put up on the wall is a slide with my husband and me in New York City um, where it's got the cities in the background and we're on a boat actually. And it's when we were both young. This is before my cancer, three years before my first cancer battle. And I always ask people to to see what's in the background and it's the Twin Towers. Mm, this is yeah. obviously before they came down. And as people look at that, they kind of, I hear these gasps, you know, because it's like, whoa, that's the Twin Towers. And, but when I was looking for photos for my book, I wanted that picture because that picture said to me that our lives can change in a minute. So don't wait to find that joy. Don't wait to do the things that you love because you never know. And when you think about that morning on September 11th, 2001, people went to work that morning they, you know, they had plans for the day. They were going to probably go home, have dinner, go out with their girlfriends to happy hour, whatever. And they had no idea that many of them would be dead by nine o'clock in the morning. Scary yeah. stuff. Huh? Yeah. So their yeah. lives changed in an instant. Their family's lives changed in an instant. Mm-hmm. But just like that can change for the negative. We can also, it's that next scan that you have that says, whoa. Whatever we're doing is working because that cancer is reversing. Right. That's that's that change in an instant that I'm still expecting to have happen. Right. You know, that's that hope that we can all face. And and it's it's really important that we embrace that. So don't sit around and just kind of wait to die. Be Stay active. Keep living because, you know, I'm facing, the, like I said, the worst thing I've gone through in a long time. But um, I can't just give up. I guess going to the hospital today to have a, some biopsies and have some lung procedure that scares the crud out of me. But um, I'm going because we think this is going to help me. Yeah. And, um, and then I'm going to be in the hospital probably till Friday. But yeah. that's okay. I'm going. And, and um, you'll do fine. You'll get yeah. through this just fine. So, but, well, that's but certainly the be- goal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, But before we run out of time, because we're getting close, um, let's talk about your book. You okay. mentioned it um, yes. uh, before. We want to make sure we, we know how to get it. Okay. So the book is um, The Hat That Saved My Life. It's my story of surviving cancer. Uh, the hardback book was is available through my website, which is beckyolson.com. You can find used copies on Amazon, but um, you can get that through my website, and I it's got free shipping on it. So um, the Kindle version is available through Amazon, and I just completed yesterday the audio version, and it was uh, it'll be out on Audible's uh, through Amazon and on iTunes uh, probably about mid-April. So, and as a co-host of this show, I can continue to plug it. So, you know, yeah, not so worried about when it's going to come out, no. but it'll be out soon. So it'll be available in audio format. And I'm kind of excited. I was going to hire someone to do my voice. My husband says, no, you do the voice. It's you talking to your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids for generations to come. That's amazing. And, and if help. people want to get a hold of you for speaking, if they want to hear this, uh, this, this humor, happiness, and hope, how are they going to do that? BeckyOlsonSpeaks.com. Fabulous. Well, yep. thank you so much. And I hate to cut you off, but um, unfortunately, our time has run out. So if you want to make a hit us, <laughs> so if you want to make a donation online at breastfriends.org, this is a donor supported uh, radio show. So we appreciate that. And we'll be back next week. And until then, remember, there's always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
please join Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time. 